0: During a teacher shortage, one place to look for teachers is the classroom itself. Washington State already has a lot of paraeducators, folks who are in the classroom day in and day out and are not certified teachers for a variety of reasons. Lindsay Leitner is at WSU Tri-Cities and introduces us to its Alternative Route Program, which helps these para-pros become certified teachers. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening
1: inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University.
0: Back here with Lindsay Leitner. Lindsay's a coordinator for the Alternative Route certification program. And Lindsay, thank you so much for, for joining me on this podcast.
1: Thanks, Brandon. I'm glad to be here.
0: Now, Lindsay, you're here in the Tri-Cities, and obviously in the Tri-Cities, there's we've heard, we've seen news articles, we've seen programs on, on the TV news about a lack of teachers, certified teachers. It's this teaching shortage that is is a problem all over the state, but, but it's certainly felt here in the Tri-Cities. Um, I was just reading something really neat, about a lady named Alita Alvarez. It came out from the Kennewick School District, and it talked about her being a paraeducator. She really wanted to be a teacher always, and she just didn't have the chance to completely finish that certification, even though she had a degree. And she is now able to, to get that through this, this program, this alternative route program that, that we're doing here at WSU. I want to talk about Alita but first let's set the stage and let's talk about the the current situation with with teachers here in the state and and the shortage that we have
1: Sure. Um, So in Washington, we have a shortage of teachers in a number of areas where we've always had a shortage of teachers. You know, subjects where it's hard to get people who have a particular kind of expertise. Um, That's especially bilingual education, English language learners, special education is an area where it's always hard to recruit and keep teachers, Um, mathematics and science education. Um, And then there are certainly geographic areas of the state where um, they've historically had a harder time either attracting qualified teachers or getting qualified teachers to stay once they're there. Um, Around here in the Tri-Cities, we especially see that in the rural communities up in the Yakima Valley and in other places like that. So our alternate route program here is focused on recruiting paraprofessionals who already have those roots in schools to become certified teachers. They're people who want to stay in those communities. They're people who usually have a background in working with special needs students or in working with students who are English language learners, and they already have some interest and expertise in working in that area.
0: Uh, first of all, I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want to be in the Tri-Cities. The, the weather's fantastic. But, but what does it take to just become a teacher in the first place, to go through the traditional, quote-unquote, traditional route and certification, just so we understand how that differs from, from I guess, where a paraeducator comes in?
1: Sure. Our traditional students that we have here and, you know, traditional is kind of in quote marks, right? We have Mm -hmm. students who are in that kind of usual 18 to 22 year old age range. But at the Tri-Cities, we tend to have a lot of students, too, who are, you know, later in life, they're in their 30s, their 40s. um, You know, they have families, they're returning to school after a break and they've got other life experiences that they're bringing in. Um, But in any case, those students who are coming in usually have two years of, you know, usually kinds of things that they've done for general education at a university, that they've taken at a community college for an AA degree, that really cover that content knowledge that you teach as an elementary school. You know, all those things like how a bill becomes a law, parts of a cell, you know, all that kind of stuff that we remember learning in elementary school. And then they come here to our program for two years of coursework in how to teach that material. So really kind of taking that content knowledge and putting it to work out in the field. Um, as part of that, we have a pretty robust field experience program where we have our student teachers going out every semester to get a field experience you know they kind of start out in a classroom three hours a week then they go out for six hours a week then it's two full days a week and their final semester they're student teaching in the school full time so as much as we try to get an authentic school placement as part of that there's something artificial about it too you know we're going out and finding a place for them to go and be and to learn about teaching and to try out some of the things that they're getting here in the alternate route program, it's kind of the reverse. We have people who have a place to be in school where they're already learning a lot about how school works and how education works um, to varying extents. They have experiences with teaching small groups of students they're getting to observe other people teaching whole groups they're doing some of that work of instruction but they don't have that theoretical background that students on the traditional route have so what we're doing here is those paras are able to use their field placement out in the school for those kinds of things that we have to send our traditional students out to get and instead the paras were either embedding coursework in the school environment in some cases or we're having them come here to take classes with us or take classes online in a couple of cases to get that theoretical background that's really been one piece that we've heard from Paris has been the, oh, now I finally understand why we're doing X, Y, and Z.
0: Well, in the case of Miss Alvarez, the article that came out, yeah, it was in the newsletter from the Kenwick School District, said she graduated from Othello High School, went to earn degrees at Columbia Basin College and WSU in Pullman. So she did have a degree. Right. She had started work on a master's in education when lack of funds required her to put her education on hold. And that, that began the setback and and then from there she's she's been the paraeducator right so so this gives somebody like her the opportunity to move from from paraeducator to teacher I, is it i mean is it necessary do we is the lack there you know so great that we we definitely need paraeducators to move on
1: oh absolutely you know in her case you know in her teachers um or rather her principal at her school had been looking for somebody who had that bilingual background and who had experience working with the children in this community, um, as she's done as a para. Um, and that's really something that's been a good partnership between us and the school and the district is really, you know, working with them to say like, Hey, here's an identified need that we have in this building. We have a person here who would be great for it. What can we do to help get that person over the finish line so that they become a certified teacher and can take on that role in the school that they're ready for. Um, this program has been really nice in that, you know, we can engage with people who, for whatever reason, haven't been able to make that jump to being a teacher yet. You know, in some cases, it's financial, where we have that grant from the state that provides um, tuition support for people who are going through. Um, But even beyond that, when I asked our participants what made a difference for them in deciding to do this program, um, you know, a lot of them cited the tuition support, but Most importantly, people said that the opportunity to um, stay employed while they were becoming a teacher was huge, to not lose their benefits, not lose their seniority in the system, um, and to have something that gave them credit for things that they had already learned on the job. Um, One unique thing with this program is that we do what are called prior learning assessments where we can assess things that a person has done already um, and give them credit for that. So for instance, one of our paras has worked for five years in a developmental preschool, You know, for the early childhood special education class, we were able to assess what she had already learned and show how she had met the competencies for the course so that she didn't have to sit through an entire three credit course on something that she had already gained a lot of background knowledge about and had professional development on in her school.
0: So I speak Spanish. And when I tried to do the same thing at WSU when I was a student years ago and tried to pass out of the Spanish course, they wouldn't let me do it. Right. <laughs> that would have been nice.
1: I know. If, if I lived in a perfect world, I would love to have a language system for that way. But unfortunately, I do not write the rules on that. But that is really kind of one unique thing with this program is that the state in setting up alternate routes has specifically said for paras, you need to have a way for people to demonstrate that they've met the competencies for the course, to make it more than just this exercise and box checking, you know, sit through the class, earn your credit, off you go. Instead, we're actually engaging with, you know, what do we want you to know and be able to do? So, you know, we can have people come in and show that they've got this expertise and we document it really rigorously, just like we do with anybody who's taken a course at WSU. It's just been a really different way of having people earn academic credit.
0: Well, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, how many times do you apply for a job? and? And you're 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 told we want a master's degree or relevant experience of, you know, 10 plus years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, as long as I guess the program helps make sure that those 10 years were being done right. I mean, that's right. And then it's uh, this is a fantastic way to to move them along.
1: Yeah. And and that's really kind of one thing that I'm interested in um, in going through this program, you know, in establishing the. qualifications for people entering this program, the state just said people need to have a year or more of experience as a paraprofessional. But one thing that we found going through the first year of this program is that the nature of those years of experience has really varied. Um, You know, we've had people who have been at the helm of a classroom already, subbing, or, you know, in situations where they've been doing a lot of instruction in the school already. Uh, We have situations where people, you know, may have been a one-on-one paraprofessional working with a special needs student, but they've never had the opportunity to see or do a lot of that whole class experience. And that's really resulted in a range of expertise that people bring in and a range of needs that they have that is probably a little bit more subtle than what the program envisioned at first. You know, people are not just coming in with this one set of experiences. There are going to be some people who feel really ready to take on that classroom role and some other people who might really not, depending on that experience. So kind of one challenge for me has been working with people and finding out, you know, what do you specifically as an individual need in order to move you to this place where you're going to be a great teacher because, you know, just having been a para is not going to move you there right out of the box. We need to know what it is about that experience and what needs you have in order to get you to that
0: spot. How do we find out about that prior experience? I mean, is there some sort of formalized assessment that we do or is it is it them telling us, well, here's my experience? I mean, what level of formality do we have?
1: Um, it's been, for the first year, it's been a pretty informal experience. You know, we asked people to document, you know, as one of the things coming in, what they had done before to list off, you know, professional development that they'd had in school. Um, you know, in some cases people would have a resume or a job description listing the different kinds of experiences that they'd had. Um, one feature of this program is that you know people have one-on-one advising sessions with a coordinator. that's me. And so part of that is really kind of digging into their background and experiences. Um, you know, I will go out and observe people in the school working there. and so it's easy to see from that, you know when a person has had, you know, a lot of experience. You know, for the student who is featured in the story, she was actually subbing in a classroom on a day when I went to observe her. And it was really useful to be able to see, you know, how she did with being at the helm of a classroom. She did great. Um, so part of that is just really getting to know the students well and finding out what what they have.
0: How many other universities have this? Because you mentioned the state put this, this in place uh, or allowed for this to happen. So I would imagine we're not the only one. And and in that case, what do we do different, differently than those other universities?
1: That's a good question. I don't know a lot about the nature of what they're offering. Um, I know. But they're not coogs no, They're not, yeah. <laughs> I know there are a couple of um, programs like this that are offered through community colleges in western Washington that have been more focused on early childhood education. Um, so that's really going to have a very different focus altogether. And that's really been one Benefit and one challenge of doing this at WSU is that, you know, in proposing this program, you know, our faculty made it very clear that they wanted it to be equivalent to our traditional program, that it wasn't a second best kind of program, that it wasn't watered down in any way, that people were going to come out with the same depth of knowledge and expertise as students who go through our traditional program. And so that's not to knock anybody else's program. It's just saying, you know, hey, as WSU, here's the level of theory and practice that we want our people to come out with. And we want to make sure that we're not compromising that in any way while also at the same time making those affordances for expertise that people already have.
0: Now the cynical part of my brain is is thinking well is is there a loophole in here somewhere where somebody says rather than go the the quote unquote traditional route and go you know do the teaching certification I'll become a paraeducator then go into this program and I've discovered hey it's easier mm-hmm. I mean uh, is 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 it easier to go one way or the other
1: I don't think any of our participants this year would say that this <laughs> is an easier way <laughs> um Yeah, I I see what you're saying there, and there really isn't because there's no way to cheat the system on the prior learning assessment. Like, if you don't already have that experience and I hand you a prior learning assessment, like, here are the competencies that are covered in intro to ESL. Tell me how you've met these before through your prior work experiences. You're really not going to be able to fabricate something that says, you know, yeah, here's how I've gained this expertise through, you know, doing the following things at school and, you know, trying out these kinds of things. Like, you just can't do it. And then at the same time, there's that, you know, opportunity to learn in the classroom. You know, you can't help but learn in that environment. And if you're teamed up here where we're saying, you know, oh, okay, we want you to design a lesson that engages ELLs, English language learners, in mathematics. And then we want you to go out and try it. And then you have the school environment to do it. And you're going to come back and talk about what that's like. You can't help but learn from that. So even if you had somebody who was like, gee, this sounds like a good way to, to join up and do that, they're really going to be getting a learning experience that meets that need no matter what.
0: I don't think you would know, though, if there was a way because you are a beacon of ethical living. So what can we say? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me let me ask in terms of the the individual they are learning as, you know, they're, they're definitely learning new things as, as they move from paraeducator to to teaching. Uh, do we has enough time passed right now at this point that we've seen that the schools are already benefiting in some way?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that's really benefited us a lot has been the partnership with school districts where. Um, we really have enjoyed with all the districts that we've worked with a close degree of coordination, and we've been able to learn more about their particular needs for pre-service teachers, you know, beyond just their personnel needs and that kind of that, you know, oh, my goodness, I have an opening in this building. What am I going to do? Um, it's been useful for us to learn a little bit more longer term about the kinds of things that they grapple with in terms of, you know, recruiting and retaining teachers in high-need areas Um You know, I've heard districts talk about burnout and special education and kind of the need to get people who want to be in special ed and what we can do to support people who are in special education. Um, So I think that degree of working together with the district is something that has benefited us at this campus beyond just this one particular program. You know, it's gotten us thinking about, you know, what can we do to support mentor teachers as they take on this new role? You know, what are ways that we can better partner with the school districts to help them address their their teaching needs and their leadership needs. Um, so being able to do that I think has really kind of redounded to some of our other programs beyond this one.
0: Is it merely a focus on on training these paraeducators who are in special education or ELL or so is it merely a focus or is that that the discipline or the area that they have to be in?
1: They all get certified in elementary education. That's their core endorsement area. And then one of the requirements from the state for people to go through this route as a paraprofessional is to get an add-on endorsement in a high-need area. So English language learners, bilingual education, or special education. So all of these folks have been working with that in some capacity, and they've been recruited in part because they want to go and teach in those areas when they're done.
0: So what's next? If we look at the... uh we'll just say the the near term being the next couple of years. Uh, what's the next step for this program to, you know, to continue um, to not become complacent within the program, but to, to continue growing and serving these these paraeducators?
1: Well, we've expanded our partnership at the Tri-Cities this year to two additional school districts. Our initial partners have been the three um, Districts in the Tri-Cities, Richland, Pasco, and Kennewick, as well as Prosser and Grandview up the Yakima Valley. Um, We've also partnered this year with Walla Walla and then with Sunnyside, so another Yakima Valley partner. Um, And that's been exciting to be able to make some of that connection up the valley, especially given the closeness of Grandview and Sunnyside. Um, We also have a grant with the U.S. Department of Education that's shared between Tri-Cities, Vancouver, and there's a faculty member at Pullman on that as well, that's a five-year grant, so we're gonna have four years going ahead here of participants here and at Vancouver, which I think will be really exciting to see how the program plays out in that context, in that urban context, um, and to see what we can learn kind of from comparing experiences at the two campuses. Um, and then beyond that, I think it's really kind of working with the state and working with our local districts to say, what are your needs? You know, As you know, time goes along, as we respond to the teacher shortage, what kinds of things are you seeing out there that we can partner with you on?
0: Just uh, the obvious next question is, who, who's the faculty member with WCU that you're working with?
1: Um, Judy Morrison oh. is the program coordinator here at uh, the Tri-Cities campus. Um, so she's the principal investigator on the grant here, and she directs the College of Education activities here at Tri-Cities.
0: Very cool, any, any other last words?
1: No, this has been a wonderful program to work with this year. The participants work really hard. They balance two full-time things well. Um, I really have to hand it to them. They have a lot of dedication, and they've undertaken a lot of learning and professional change this year, and I can't wait to see what they do next year as student teachers.
0: Well, our listener can't see this, Lindsay, but you talk a lot with your hands, and it's <laughs> it's very obvious that you're passionate about this, so that's always good to see. I appreciate you joining me, and I would I would say that this is a great program. I'm sure Alita Alvarez would say this is a great program. She benefits from this. The school district, it, it sounds ben- like it, they benefit from this. And um, and plus, we get to do a happy podcast, which is always nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, this has been a really exciting program and a neat way to see the kind of partnerships that WSU can have with the community. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.